friends, welcome to Log On at 11, Spurgeon Baptist Church's online presence during this COVID season. Uh, warm welcome to all of you, wherever you are, whether you're in Water Eaton Church Centre, uh, watching on the big screen or in your own homes. Uh, whether you're regularly with us or just dipping in to see what we're up to, we're, we're glad that you've uh, taken the opportunity uh, to be with us in this way. Uh, because we're spread all over the place, uh, just to hold our little service together, we're going to use uh, liturgy. Uh, this is something we've been doing whilst we've been online. Uh, it's not comfortable or familiar for Baptists, but it it saves us from just watching the screen, really. It gives us something to participate in. So if you've got the print copy in front of you, everything in bold type is what we say together. Everything in light type is what I say on my own. If you're following on the screen, everything in yellow type is what we're going to say together. So we begin. The things we get for Christmas will not last, but the things we get from Christ this Christmas and always, hope, peace, joy, and love will go with us all our life. The fourth candle is the candle of love. Jesus is our love. He is always with us and loves us unconditionally. Through all events in our lives, in birth and death, in joy and sorrow, we light this candle for love. Let us pray. Dear God, thank you that you love us so much, even when we turn away from you. Thank you for sending us, your only son, to show us how to live our lives of love. Help us to be aware of your love and share it with others always. Amen. To God the Father, creator of the world, be praise and glory now and always. To God the Son, redeemer of the world, be praise and glory now and always. To God the Holy Spirit, sustainer of the world, be praise and glory now and always. Amen. We pray together. Loving God, in the security of quiet prayer, we confess to you that we have failed to live up to the reasonable expectation of others. We have fallen short of our own modest standards and we are far from being all that you would have us be. Merciful God, we confess to you now that we have sinned. We confess the sins that no one knows and the sins that everyone knows. We confess the sins that are a burden to us and the sins that don't bother us anymore because we're so used to them. We have not loved one another as Christ has loved us. We have not given ourselves in love and service for the world as Christ gave himself for us. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Father, forgive us. Send your Holy Spirit that he may give us power to live as you have called us to live. If we claim to be without sin, then the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, 
he is righteous and just and can be trusted to forgive us and cleanse us from every kind of wrongdoing. Amen. Hello everybody and uh, welcome to the fifth week, the final week of looking at uh, Advent, the period when we consider Jesus' coming to earth to be with us physically. Now, amongst the um, story of Jesus' coming as a baby, one thing has always struck me, and that is uh, that, you know, nobody had seen him coming and so few people knew he'd arrived. The shepherds, it is true, went to worship the child, the baby in the manger. And later on, we're told wise men found him out with their gifts. But these people were told where to find him. For everybody else around, it would seem they had no idea that the Christ was amongst them. Did the innkeeper know who was sleeping in out the back of his hotel, as it were? So Jesus had arrived, but people had not seen him coming. And when he did arrive, most people did not recognise him. Which brings me to today's challenge. I thought what we'd do today, we'd look at five characters and I'm going to start them off for you. They're all going to be in silhouette. I'll start them off a long way off and you can have uh, you can have three points if you identify them when they're a long way off. Uh, and then I'll bring them a bit closer. And if you still need to keep guessing, you get two points if you get them when they've come a bit closer. And then uh, I'll bring them right up close. So you should recognise them when you see them in their third step forward, as it were. And you get, give yourself one point if you get them uh, when they're at the closest point. Right, so here we go. Let's bring up our character. So here comes your first person character. There you go. You should see a tiny little silhouette there on your screen. Who do you think that is? You're going to get three points if you recognise it from that. I suspect very few of you will have got it. So let's bring the character a bit closer. There you go. Two points now. Got it? Well done if you have. If not, let's bring this character up close enough so you can recognise. There you go. Well, I hope you've got it now. It's a very famous character, not a person. That's Mickey Mouse, isn't it? One point if you had to, if you only got him just then at your final chance. Okay, second character. Let's start this person. I'll give you a clue. It's a woman. Let's start her off a long way off. There she is. Three points if you get this character from that. Otherwise, let's step her forward. Here you are, a bit closer. Got it? No? Okay, for anybody that needs it, here she comes. As close as uh, we should need to recognise her there. Okay, Mary Poppins. Right, there comes character number three. First up, there he is. Oh, yeah, I've given it away. It's a man. He's a long way off. Three points if you can identify him. Uh, OK, here he comes. Getting a bit closer for two points. There you go. OK, and finally, if you need it, 
here he is up close enough to recognize yeah indiana jones right the fourth one out of our five here, here oh again i'll tell you it's a he here he is a long way off and uh, to make this even a bit more difficult you'll see it's only half of him in silhouette this so there you go a long way off can you recognize that person if not, let's bring him forward. There you go. Any better? No. Right then, right forward. Here he comes. There. Do you recognise now? It's Winston Churchill. So I wonder how many points you've got so far. Here's your last chance. If you haven't got a three so far, here's your last chance for a three-pointer. Here comes your fifth and final character. There you are. In the distance. Any good? No, this is probably the hardest of them all. Let's bring him a bit closer. For two points, anybody? No? Okay, well, let's bring him right forward. There you go. I wonder what your answer was to that last question. Was it Jesus? And on what basis did you give that answer? Other than the... Uh, basis that if you're asked a difficult question in church it's often best trying Jesus as the answer because that often is the correct answer no um, it's odd that you all aren't you may have answered Jesus because the Bible tells us nothing about his physical appearance we don't know whether he was tall or short whether he grew his beard or not the Bible says nothing about his physical appearance which you might think it's a bit strange, but actually, the more I think about it, the reason I think we're not told anything about his physical appearance is, quite frankly, it's irrelevant. Um, what's important about Jesus is what he said and what he did and the love he showed, the way he behaved towards people. To go on about his appearance and what he was wearing uh, on the day of the Sermon on the Mount is would have been irrelevant. Now, today, just like those characters stepping forward towards you in my challenge, Jesus comes to us and we don't see him coming because obviously he's not physically with us. But boy, do we recognise him when he arrives, when we let him into our lives, as it were. Uh, we don't recognise him physically, but we recognise him by his character, his attitude towards us, the way he deals with us. So um, looking at that challenge, then I wonder what you, uh, what did you score, by the way? Did you score 15? That would have been brilliant if you did. And um, if you didn't, it scored less than five. That's not good at all. Anyway, enough of my challenge. Uh, next up from the advent, you'll be hearing from Kevin. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that had been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of a mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, and his name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. 
He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen this glory, the glory of the one and only only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the but the one and only Son who is himself God and the closest relationship with the Father has made him known. A fourth Sunday in Advent, uh, the light of the world, the word becoming flesh. Uh, and I've chosen John's Gospel, the opening of John's Gospel, what is commonly referred to as the prologue uh, for our reading today. And it's, it is a, a dense piece of theological writing. It's, it is a very rich passage uh, to think about and to reflect on. Uh, and there's far more than we could ever do in one sermon in uh, the number of verses that I've picked out for the reading this morning. So we're not going to do an in-depth uh, exposition. We're going to sort of use the verses to springboard us into some thought and reflection. Um, and at some point, maybe, who knows, in the months, uh, years to come, we might come back and look in a little bit more depth. Maybe uh, this time next year, uh, we'll do a smaller piece of the prologue and do it in a bit more depth. But for today, uh, we'll take the whole broad sweep of the passage, um, verses 1 to 5, then 6 to 9, 10 to 13, 14 and 15, and then 16 to 18. So these are your way markers on the way through. So verses 1 to 5, God and the Word, the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. John is doing two things here very, very cleverly. He is taking his Jewish listeners back uh, to the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. Uh, and Genesis begins in the beginning, God. So he's very deliberately echoing that wording, really. He's, he's helping his Jewish hearers understand 
that what is going to come is about God, uh, although it's going to be Jesus. Uh, this is God. And he's making the point that Jesus is God, even at this early stage. Uh, and in that first verse, and those first two verses, you've got that. Uh, again, very rich, very theologically dense. God and the word, the word of God. And again, one thinks about that first chapter of Genesis and God creating the world. And how does God create? He speaks. He uses words. God said, let there be light. And there was light. The word is powerful and active. When God speaks, things happen. And Jesus is God's word to the world uh, now. God creates by speaking. The word is God's agent. Uh, it is his creative power. Life and light are to be found uh, in God. Uh, light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. We would no doubt be singing uh, if we were together. Um, and you will, uh, you will be thinking about those words on Christmas morning, uh, no doubt. Uh, verse 5 really struck me uh, this year as I read these verses. Uh, in the New International Version, it says the darkness has not understood it. And I had a quick look at one or two other versions that I happen to have kicking about. Uh, Good News Bible, the darkness has never put it out. King James Version, uh, much loved by many, I know. Uh, the darkness comprehended it not. Uh, Revised Standard Version, which many were brought up on. Uh, the darkness has not overcome it. Interesting, isn't it? The darkness has not understood it. The darkness comprehended it not. That really just caught my ear. Isn't that odd? But why would the darkness understand the light? And of course, this is about the person of Jesus. So I started to think about the personification of light and the personification of darkness and the prince of darkness, uh, Satan, the great accuser. He will never understand Jesus. He will never understand the light of the world. Uh, it's not in his nature. He just does not have the capacity to grasp what Jesus was about. Satan is about power uh, and all those that claim to be uh, interested in him uh, and followers of him. Fortunately, they are few. Uh, but what they're really interested in is power. And usually power over others, uh, the exercise of power for their own benefit, because that's what Satan is all about. He wants worship. That's what he desires. He can't understand Jesus at all uh, because Jesus uh, empties himself to come to the earth. He steps down from a throne in heaven. Satan is struggling always to try and step up and to grasp worship and it won't come it won't come for him because it's not for him uh, he's a created being <clears throat> and uh, he's a limited being uh, limited in his understanding limit <clears throat> limited in his thinking so of course the darkness has not understood the light neither 
uh, neither can it, neither shall it. Uh, verses six to nine. Uh, here's John, the witness, John, the baptizer, John, the Baptist. Uh, John always points to Jesus. Notice that always. Uh, if we'd read on in this chapter and got to verse 29, uh, we would have heard him saying to his own disciples as he saw Jesus approach, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Uh, John is absolutely clear about who he is uh, and he's comfortable in his own skin. He's clear about his role. He's clear about his ministry. He's clear about his task. And he doesn't want anything for himself. Uh, he's he's forever saying, you know, it, it is Jesus. It, this is the one. Look to him. Uh, when John is questioned, you know, are you are you the Messiah? No. He's very clear that he is not the Messiah. Uh, Jesus is. And he points to Jesus. It's an interesting thing for me to reflect on as a preacher. And if any of you are preachers watching this, you know, are you comfortable in your own skin? Are you clear about the ministry, task and role to which you've been called? Uh, and can you inhabit that and be content with inhabiting that and that alone? Interesting question for us to reflect on. And if we're not preachers, you know, what has God called you to do? Uh, and if it's a small task, if it's something that is unseen and possibly will be unknown, uh, maybe until after you stop doing what you're doing. Can you be content with that? Is that enough for you? It was enough for John. Uh, verses 10 to 13, he was in the world and though the world was made through him. The world did not recognise him. Unrecognised by the world, even though he made it. And, and coming to his own people first, um, but not wanted by them. And this becomes apparent as you read the Gospels. He starts, doesn't he always, Jesus, by uh, preaching and teaching uh, in the synagogues and in the temple. He, he deliberately goes to the places that he knows the people of God will be, the Old Testament people of God, the called out ones, the chosen ones. And he goes to address them and speaks to them. And, you know, famously, early in uh, Luke's gospel, he's in the synagogue and they give him uh, the scroll from Isaiah's prophecy. And he reads those verses about the blind seeing, the lame walking, good news coming to the poor. Uh, hands the scroll back and says, today in your hearing, this scripture is fulfilled and people don't understand. They get confused and uh, they get angry as well later, you know, as, as we read about him in the different Gospels. Uh, and and they keep saying those those that have known him, you know, isn't this isn't this Joseph's son? Uh, how can he be saying these things about himself? Their, their understanding is clouded. Uh, they do not recognise him for who he is, who he says he is and who he actually is. Um, so he comes to his own people first, but he's not wanted by them. And so the circle widens 
Uh, and we find that fascinating verse, uh, verse 12. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Those that do want him, those that will receive him, those that accept what he says about himself, uh, they, we, have the right to be called children of God. This language of rights is very strong, I think, and it's most unusual and is not found uh, generally in the Gospels. But here it is. Uh, and it, it is God's gift to all who will receive it. It is dependent upon our saying yes to the gift uh, that is being offered from God. It is dependent on our accepting Jesus as God's Son, as Lord, as Saviour, as well as friend and brother and all those other comforting labels <coughs> that we want to, to hold fast to at various times in our lives. Um, judge as well, that's part of the gig um, and Jesus says about himself, you know, he will judge the living and the dead at the end of all things. Uh, and we remember during this Advent season that he will be coming back at some point and that will be part of his task when he returns. Uh, verses 14 and 15, the word becomes flesh. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the father full of grace and truth. The word becomes flesh and lives among us, Jesus. This is what God is like. So for all those of you that have ever wondered, um, what is God like? And there are many, many pictures that you could call on. And you know, down through the ages, great artists have attempted uh, to portray uh, God in a number of ways, Sistine Chapel, God creating Adam, that, that great picture of uh, the man, the big older man with a flowing white hair and beard, pushing, putting his finger out and being touched by the man that he created, Zap. Uh, the pictures we have in our own heads that have got in there somehow uh, from all of popular culture around us, um, stuff that has been said to us from the time we were little all the way through, you know, God will be very angry if you do that, blah, blah, blah. Um, even down to uh, what one of my friends and colleagues in the army chaplains department, lovely Anglican man, uh, when we were talking about modern songs, he, he was just despairing. <laughs> he said, oh dear, the Jesus is my cosmic boyfriend songs. Uh, and <laughs> but we, you know, we've we've lost some of the biblical witness in some of the things that we sing. We we just need to choose carefully, don't we, uh, when it comes to some of the things that we sing. Uh, this time of the year is great because the Advent hymns and Christmas carols that we sing are full of really good meaty theology. Uh, and if you don't learn anything else, learn. <clears throat> learn your uh, Christmas carols and you'll learn something of the truth of what Christmas is about. So Jesus, this is what God is like, full of grace, full of truth, glorious, glorious, but veiled. I think 
the Mount of Transfiguration, that story, you know, where Jesus takes um, Peter, James and John to the top of the mountain uh, and a cloud comes down over the top of the mountain and God's voice speaks out of it and they see Jesus and Elijah and Moses together and Jesus' whole visage, his face and his clothing, they're like lightning. I think that the, uh, the space between heaven and earth, the veil, if you like, is very thin at that point. The glory of God almost bursts out uh, and blinds and terrifies. Um, veiled in flesh, him, uh, Christmas carol, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus, our Emmanuel. Uh, and then John, again, John testifies concerning him. This is the one, this was he of whom I said, uh, he, he who comes after me has surpassed me. Uh, <clears throat> verses 16 to 18, so we're near the end, friends. Um, God's generosity beautifully expressed from the fullness of his grace we have all received one blessing after another god's generosity a one blessing after another um going back to moses and the law this was god's gift to his people at that stage this was guidance for life uh, this is how they were to live with one another and with god um, in order to survive being in the wilderness really in order to to survive making that journey to the promised land and then once they were in the land uh, to be distinctively different to be distinctively God's people to be distinctively God's witness amongst those foreign nations and now here is Jesus here is Jesus come among us full of grace and truth jesus come to make the father known to us jesus come to open up a way for us uh, back to the father through the cross the price will be paid it is promised in the coming of this child this child who will grow and become a fully formed fully fledged adult who will challenge us in our thinking and behaviour, uh, who will call out sin for what it is, who will encourage us to forgive uh, because he is going to forgive, who will not flinch from the cost of our salvation. And he says to us, if you want to follow me, you must take up your cross daily and follow. Here he is, new life, life in all its fullness will be ours. We catch glimpses of it now, glimpses. But when King Jesus returns and makes all things new and drives out all of the sin of the world and defeats uh, <clears throat> utterly and completely and absolutely pushes away everything uh, that spoils and banishes it forever then we'll see it properly 
then we'll experience it properly. Right now, we live in the in-between time, and it will be like this until Jesus returns. But he is going to return, and one day, all things will be made new, and that includes you and me too. Are you ready? Come, Lord Jesus. Uh, we come to our time of intercession, our prayers for others. Uh, when it comes to the individuals that are named, um, be aware some of them are unwell uh, and are looking for healing. Some are bereaved uh, and are grieving. Uh, others are giving thanks. Uh, and just, just be aware of that. Don't. Uh, I won't give any detail, uh, neither should you ask for any uh, just join in join your prayers with mine as we say to god draw near and bless these people so let us pray father we begin by giving thanks for the opportunity to come and pray like this uh, it's part of our solidarity with our sisters and brothers in Christ around the world and indeed with our fellow human beings. Uh, sometimes we pray and we know that the people we're praying for have no interest in you or faith in you, but that does not mean that you have no interest in them. We thank you for this season of Advent and for the opportunities to think about uh, some of the great themes uh, that are represented in our faith, not least this year for the opportunity to not only think about the coming uh, of Jesus for the first time, but to focus maybe a little more on the fact that you, Lord Jesus, will return. You will come again. And this time uh, every eye will see and every knee will bow. Uh, we, sisters and brothers in Christ in this place, Lord, Thank you for the freedom that we have found in you. Uh, all of our horizons are open because of what you have done for us in coming uh, to be among us in the first place, uh, in your teaching, uh, in the way that you demonstrate God's love uh, for all, and ultimately in your death and your resurrection. As we have embraced all of that, we have found a freedom that we have never known before. And we look forward to your return. We pray for our schools uh, across the city uh, and for all those whom we know uh, who, who are teachers or administrators in schools. We thank you once again for the diligence, the patience and the goodwill that many have shown uh, in these difficult months this year has been truly appalling and really very, very difficult for those that work in school and manage uh, schools. We pray, Lord, uh, that as the end of term approaches, they will truly be able to take a break from all of the concerns of their working life that they will be able to enjoy time with one another, with family, with friends, and please God with you. Uh, we remain thankful that uh, 
vaccines are coming forward, uh, that we in this country are able to authorise the distribution uh, of vaccines. We thank you that they're being rolled out in our country and that already you know, many are being vaccinated. We pray for the success of that programme. We pray that many will take the opportunity to be vaccinated and that before too long, we'll find ourselves in a position to live life in the ways that we might like to. We continue to pray for people who are anxious about their businesses, anxious about the future, anxious about employment. We know this is a very real concern, Lord, and it is a concern for us too. We pray that things will unfold in the right way, that the support that is needed will be found uh, and that people will be able to continue to live. We continue to pray for all those who work in hospitals and healthcare and indeed in care homes. We know that there have been significant changes in uh, how people may, vote, uh, may visit uh, care homes uh, and indeed may visit hospitals. Uh, we pray, Lord, that everything that can be done will be done in order to facilitate uh, families that have been separated because of the virus to come together over Christmas. We pray that we will be sensible uh, as human beings, that we'll be responsible in the way that we approach this festival, uh, and that we won't be that we won't be stupid, Lord in the things that we do over the next couple of weeks. We turn our eyes outward uh, to the wider world. Particularly, we're aware, Father, of the transition in America at the moment with uh, President-elect Joe Biden putting together his cabinet and sorting his government out. Uh, we know that the transition is uh, is continuing and we're glad that uh, all of the official channels are now open for him. Uh, we pray for our friends in America as snowstorms are arriving and are bound to cause concern and disruption across parts of the East Coast and inland. We pray for all those who are in the path of the storm. We pray that they'll be sensible that they will have uh, prepared correctly, uh, knowing that these things are coming and that the, the loss of life and livelihood will be minimised. We continue to pray for our relationship, the UK's relationship with the European Union. We're thankful, Lord, that negotiations continue uh, because we feel that where this is happening, then there is still hope. Uh, that some sort of negotiated settlement might come about. We pray that uh, the fact that we are running out of time, days are running along towards the end of the month, we pray that that will focus the minds uh, very clearly on both sides of the divide. And again, we would ask, Lord, that those that are in those negotiations would be more concerned and more interested in finding a solution that will bring 
uh, peace and prosperity to peoples rather than seeking to posture politically. We bring our friends before you and ask for your blessing upon their lives in these days. Chris, Ken, Adrian and Hugh, Helen and Babs, Eric, Les, Dot, Margaret and Bob, Peter, Jesse, Georgina, Michaela, Dennis, Shirley, Sarah, Mary, Jay, Terry, Lisa and her family, Naomi, Nigel, Dawn, Lynn, Brian, Graham, Lauren and Lewis, Ron, Gail, Maureen. We say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We say the canticle together. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on a cross. Once we were alienated from God and were his enemies. Now we are reconciled, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thanks be to God. We come to share communion. Uh, the way we're going to do this is I'm going to read the words that I would normally read when we're in church together. I will lead the prayers that I would normally lead. Uh, you'll need a piece of bread and you'll need a little wine or whatever you're substituting for wine. Uh, and we will eat and drink together. And I'll be very clear about when we do that and how we do that. You just follow what I am doing. So, if you truly and earnestly repent of your sins 
and are in love and charity with your neighbours and are resolved to lead a new life following the commandments of God and walking henceforth in his holy ways, then draw near with faith and take this sacrament to your comfort and growth in grace. Come to this sacred table, not because you must, but because you may. Come not to testify that you are righteous, but that you sincerely love our Lord Jesus Christ and desire to be his true disciples. Come not because you are strong, but because you are weak. Not because you have any claim on heaven's rewards, but because in your frailty and sin, you stand in constant need of heaven's mercy and help. I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He also said, listen, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hear my voice and open the door, I will come into the house and eat with them and they with me. Let us pray. Lord, we come to your table trusting in your mercy and not in any goodness of our own. We are not worthy even to gather up the crumbs from under your table, but it is your nature always to have mercy and on that we depend. So feed us with the body and blood of Jesus Christ, your son, that we may forever live in him and he in us. Amen. This is what the Apostle Paul tells us concerning the institution of the Lord's Supper. For the tradition which I handed on to you came to me from the Lord himself, that on the night of his arrest, the Lord Jesus took bread, and after giving thanks to God, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Whenever you do this, remember me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, and said, this cup is the new covenant sealed by my blood. Whenever you drink it, do this in memory of me. For every time you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the death of the Lord until he comes. Jesus offered a prayer of thanksgiving for bread and for wine, and we shall do the same. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for bread and for wine, ordinary things, which in your hands become extraordinary. We thank you for giving us something physical to help us remember you. Uh, your body broken for us, the bread broken. Your blood shed for us, the wine that we can taste. Things to touch and see and taste. Thank you, Father, for putting these things into our hands. As we eat and drink, May we do so with thankful hearts. Amen. So after he'd given thanks, the Lord took the bread and he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. The body of Christ broken for us. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, 
This cup is the new covenant sealed by my blood. Whenever you drink this, remember me. The blood of Christ that cleanses us from all sin. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Now going to God's word with joy and peace and love and hope in your hearts and the blessing of God Almighty, Creator, Redeemer and Sustainer of all, be with us all evermore. Amen. <laughs>